Joining us now for our feature, Women's Views on Our World Today, is Dr. Shakira Chunara, who is a rising, a rising global icon, according to her website, award-winning researcher, bold activist in the 2017 Women of the Year in Health in South Africa. Her most notable and influential role to date is to be appointed to the inaugural African Union Youth Advisory Council and is a budding, dynamic social entrepreneur. Dr. Chinara is joining us on the line. Good evening to you, Dr. Chinara, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Evening, Nayan. Evening to your listeners. Great am, to be here. Am I pronouncing your name correctly, Chunara? Uh, yeah, yes, Bashan. Okay, all right. I was worried that perhaps I may be mispronouncing it. Uh, let's talk about, first and foremost, what you heard from the Reverend there. I understand that you're a youth activist as well. And he too was speaking on matters pertaining to youth and sexuality. Did you listen? And what's your take on it? I must admit, I caught the end of the show, but I have been following the news as well. So I've spent quite a bit of time actually leading sexual and reproductive health programs across the African continent. Um, in some parts of Africa, it's harder to, to run programs around HIV, sexuality, and comprehensive education. Um, and in, in countries like ours, you'd expect it to be a lot easier. So I was quite, um, I suppose, taken aback. Uh, by some of the comments, but I think also, um, you know, the stance that's taken and the reality that's out there. And very briefly, the reality is that young people are engaging in activities. Young people, um, I was on a panel last week and I said, what's the top thing that young women are Googling is, are they pregnant? So people are looking for information and to ignore it is, is not going to make the problem go away. All right. Uh, let's let's talk about what it is that uh, got you active. What made you this activist that you are right now, this advocate for social issues as you are right now? Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, at the time I always said that, you know, when you're growing up, um, you think that your circumstances are quite difficult and you really wish it was different. But now that I look back and I'm about to approach my 50th birthday, I think growing up in um, a very disadvantaged home, but also um, seeing what the impacts of disability were firsthand, um, really, really pushed me into a career of saying, I want to change this. Um, and that's really the foundation of, of everything that I do. Okay. We, we, we are most um, saddened by, um, by apathy in our country. And I don't say this because it's exclusive to South Africa. I'm sure you, when you go to other countries, you might just find that they're complaining about youth apathy as well. Do you find that apathy is an epidemic that is never going to be uh, over, overpowered in our country, particularly in our country? It has the potential to be overpowered. It's really up to the leaders who are in power to push that. But I think it's also up to a group of young people who are not apathetic to start to bring others into into the force. I think the potential is there. It's definitely there. So I would be a bit cautious to say, you know, we'd never overcome it. But what? what why are we apathetic as a people? especially our young people, why do we find that there is a comfortable apathy as far as issues that really matter 
And when I say issues that really matter, I mean uh, you, you, issues of governance, issues of health, issues of the economy, issues of their own uh, activism in their own environments, whether it is agency to change things. The only time we saw a budding and explosive activism amongst our young people was during the Fees Must Fall movement, uh, which, by the way, was preceded by Roads Must Fall. And then uh, that fallist ideology seems to have faded away with the activists of the time. Why? Why are we so apathetic as South African young people? You know, I think worldwide it, it differs, of course. But if I think of our African context and our South African context, the reality is that our leaders or people who are elected are so far away from the realities on the ground. And they're so out of touch with young people and young issues. Um, and, and that really causes many of us to be apathetic. But I also think that, um, you know, it's, it's not complete apathy and it's not, you know, I think there's many young people, many spaces making changes that we're just not recognizing. So yes, these this form is a very big movement, but there are smaller movements in South Africa, like the Public Health Association, which has student wings, which, which deal with issues like the NHI, etc. Um, but I also think that sometimes young people are sort of being um, apathetic. It's not necessarily the case. It could also be the case of like I said, besides the leaders being very out of touch with us, not also giving us a platform to be involved and thus we thought as being apathetic. Okay, all right. Uh, let's talk about your participation in the African Union. First and foremost, uh, a lot of people have wondered why. Why do we even have these bodies, these organizations that seem to have very little to do with influence on sovereign states? Um, the African Union may very well be an organization of African countries united, but their influence or power to do anything as far as those member states is next to nil. Uh, they they still have the, uh, the ability to act as you and I have on sovereign states. States remain sovereign and have no, <laughs> no need to abide by the dictates or instructions of the African Union. What is your take as far as the African Union's contribution to African con uh, uh, governance? Yeah, I think, you know, it, I, I'd be shooting myself in the foot saying that it's a very effective um, organization. And I think we need to reflect honestly on the role it's playing and the role it can play. Um, I think it has immense potential and opportunity. That's, that's the crux of the matter. Um, but the problem, though, is it's, it's very far from us, not just young people, but it's far from us as the people from Africa. Um, the other issue is, um, now that I'm within the AU, it's, you know, I'm starting to learn it and, and be accustomed to it and understand what's going on. So it's the way it functions. is It's creating a, a ton of policies, right? And the policies are passed and they're ratified by countries across the continent. But who's actually monitoring these policies and who's reading these policies and who's pushing accountability? So I think it's bi-directional. One, um, the African Union needs to be able to uh, adapt and serve our continent. It has to. Um, but on the other hand, we have to also take a keen interest and actually understand what's going on and push accountability because I think that's the problem. I've seen a lot of projects being launched, a lot of policies being passed, 
but who's holding um, the AU and uh, our states accountable. For example, ever since you joined and you were appointed as an envoy, as a member of the council, uh, what change do you see, particularly in South Africa? What change do you see that has been affected by any of the things that you had suggested at the council? I have to be honest, I don't think, um, you see, I think what happens is when you have a new structure, it takes a while for it to be incorporated and established, and hopefully we build a strong foundation for it to, to, to be taken forward. In some way or the other, um, for example, the AU, we were involved with launching a project known as One Million by 2021, um, and it aims to, to reach a million youth in Africa, which I think is a very small-scale project on employment, education, um, engagement, and entrepreneurship. And we see, for example, South Africa pushing um, the YES program, uh, the employment program. So some of that is being taken up, but I I would be honest, and an honest reflection is that we haven't had the impact that we need to have, of course. Okay. Uh, even though it's been a couple of months now, um, uh, it's been, what, over five, six months since you've joined and still we see next to Zilch. Here's another issue that we, we, we would love to understand. Um, we, we have a global movement that seeks to uh, appreciate the contribution, the contribution of young people in the world today. But that contribution always seems to be theoretical, never practical. I'll give you an example. Um, um, ever since we have been listening to people speaking about what youth need, youth need to be listened to and we need to do things to bring young people into the movement of uh, evolving humankind, uh, very little, if at all, can be pointed to this incorporation of young people. It has always seemed to be window dressing, put young people into the forefront, but have nothing they say to actually come to fruition. Do you find that the contributions of young people in global discourse, in global governance, in global economics have ever been taken seriously? I think it differs from institution to institution and different levels. For example, when I was in an NGO space at the age of 28, I was given programs to just run and innovate and you know, it was amazing what I could achieve given that platform. Um, but, but it's not everywhere, and the struggle is real. I wouldn't want to be a, a young person who just complains, but I do think that on the one front, we do have intersectionality, right? So it's not just young, but it's also the color of your skin. It's your geographic location. For example, in global health, I see a lot of people from the global north maintaining opportunities, young people, compared to those of us in, in the global south, you know, who's chosen to write an article as the first, first author, for example, um, in a project. So, so the intersectionality is there and the power dynamics are definitely there. But then I also think it also points to um, what are some of the youth who do get into the place, uh, spaces. Some of us are now privileged, right, and we are in those spaces. And what I also see, um, and very disappointing to see, is that many of us would lose our activism and start to conform. And I actually wrote a poem about this. Um, and, and I said, you know, the cycle continues because youth essentially conform and they become old. So I think it's on two fronts. One, we're not um, integrated and given the opportunity enough 
um, and the intersectionality is there, but I think also to those of us who are there are just not pushing the boundaries in us. Final question, I'll let you go, Dr. Chinara. Um, when you look at the many young people that have since joined our various legislative uh, bodies, whether it is the National Assembly or the provincial legislatures, we have seen quite a bit of number of young people joining in, and I applaud political parties for taking that step. The the African National Congress, the Democratic Alliance, the EFF, uh, those are the notable parties that have taken young people to that stage. Do you find that perhaps these young people will be able to make their mark a youthful mark or will they just join the rest of the old people and their old people mentality? I think it's a little bit early to, to say and to tell but yeah. I think, you know, um, looking at the way, for example, the EFF has, and I'm not in EFFN and I'll state that on record, but I think the way they've shaken Parliament upright, I think that's you know, for example, that's something that stands out for me as a young person. Um, so I'm sure that in their spaces they are starting to push and make their mark, but I, I would encourage them to go even further because, you know, it's, it's, it's not enough to just say you're young and, and, and you're in Parliament, but what are you actually doing and how are you actually being different to the leaders we're seeing today that we don't need in this country? I think that's where we need to look. All right. Dr. Chinara, thank you very much for coming through and talking to us, for being our woman's view uh, person for tonight. We really appreciate your views. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you so much. That's our feature candidate for tonight, Dr. Shakira Chunara, uh, for our feature Women's Views on Our World Today. Remember, this is what we're doing for the month of August, trying to get young people, uh, women rather, not young people, women, to talk to us about their views, no particular subject, but we want to hear their views on a variety of issues as we've been talking about.